Greetings, queens, and welcome, kings, to the Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar podcast with your sister love, Queen Sonia B., the song B. We're beyond the mainstream, freely speaking and unapologetically discussing a variety of topics relevant to the social, economic, and political experience of women of color, incorporating humor, health, happiness, and, of course, the culture. Today, your sister love song B is doing a solo cast. That's right, Queen Song B is going solo today. It is you and we. So thank you for joining me today in my solo cast. Be sure to share with your sister friends, partners, and family on iTunes, Stitcher. We can be heard on Google Play and Spotify. Please be sure to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash songb510. The website is sisterlove.thevibejuice.com. And join our Facebook page. Just type Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar. I appreciate your comments and a five-star rating. So please be sure to rate Sister Love on iTunes and Stitcher. This week... My pursuit of happiness, which is a special thing that I do for myself on a weekly basis. This is my challenge. I challenge you to do the same. It is the pursuit of happiness challenge, making sure that you do something special that brings joy and meaning to your life. Share what you did. I'm going to share with you what I did for myself. It may not be a big thing to a lot of people, but... For me, a pedicure and a manicure can just be my pursuit of happiness, make me really be filled with joy, happiness. I go home relaxed as long as they're doing a good job, rubbing my feet. Hello, any single men out there? Yes, I'm single. Your girl is single. I love to have a foot massage, calf massage, knees It's all good. So I treated myself to a pedicure and manicure, and I came home happy. Every time I looked down at my feet, I smiled. And I'm happy to say I don't have those gnarly, curly knots. (laughs) They're nice feet. Thank you, Ma and Pa. So I challenge you to share and consciously Do something in the pursuit of happiness special for yourself. And then get back with Sister Love Untethered. Let us know what you did for yourself. Share with the community. Go to the Facebook page. Again, that's facebook.com. You can type in Sister Extraordinaire or just type in Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar. Leave your comment. Okay. So today's solo cast is her story. Today's her story is America, I've Got a Bone to Pick. I've got to talk about the Kavanaugh hearings. This is something that has my britches in a bundle. Well, first and foremost, needless to say, I am pissed off that the GOP 
Republican Senate, majority uh, of the Senate is Republican, they intentionally refused to hold a hearing for Obama's Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland. And they did this to prevent our African-American president, a black man, from having lifelong influence in the Supreme Judicial Court of the United States or to have an impact in the legacy of his presidency. That choice, that premeditated, calculated choice of the Republicans to kill the filibuster was to purposely block Obama's nomination. And you can say it was nothing but pure racist. Now, Republicans, they complain that Democrats are destroying the judicial process. (laughs) That's calling what? The kettle calling the pot black? First of all, the Republicans, they didn't even hold a hearing for Merrick Garland. The Republicans introduced removing the filibusters. They voted 52 to 48 to invoke a so-called nuclear option, allowing a debate on Gorsuch. I think that's his name, Gorsuch. (laughs) Anyway, and any future Supreme Court justices to be ended by the Senate on a simple majority vote. So that meant anyone to follow since they have the majority, they basically can omit uh, having any controversy, disputes, or anything, and they can immediately sweep in their choice. Now, the Kavanaugh hearings is proving to be a hell of a show of, I have to say, white male entitlement. It's very reminiscent of the whitewashing of Clarence Thomas. Remember those hearings if you were around? It's nothing but another grab-em-by-the-pussy moment. That's what we're witnessing. This is, this whole charade is a real big cry out and call out to the hashtag MeToo movement and every other group who is standing for the rights of women, minorities, immigrants, and including gay rights. Now, I personally have a deep resentment of the politics of the Republicans and the post-Obama racist backlash that we're witnessing that's going on in this country today. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if we soon see a feminist backlash due to calling out all of the sexism in these powerful men and bringing them down. So, Kavanaugh becoming Supreme Court Justice, what's at stake? Well, this is during a time that after Gorsuch getting another conservative in the post-Obama era, which we can now call this area the Trump-Pans or Trump-Penzi era, (laughs) the political circus, it creates a bigger threat than we can ever imagine. Number one, 
the threat of our democratic values, the threat of, of, of separation of powers, which we're really seeing less and less of based on Trump's actions. Number two, doing away with specific alienable rights, such as Roe versus Wade, the right for a woman to make a choice over her own body, or even gay rights, and possibly doing away with the Voting Rights Act in its entirety if they can have their way. Whereas in 2006, legislation uh, passed which elim- eliminated a provision of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It was a five to four vote, which eliminated the previous Section 5 that was put in place to combat, to combat the lawless, lawless legacy headed by the Southern officials who nefariously denied blacks the right to vote. And no thanks to Clarence Thomas. Now, Clarence Thomas, there's a lot to say about him. He should have decided on the base of moral consciousness rather than on the basis of his, I believe, a self-loathing black man who's overzealous to fit in and uh, to be a voracious conservative. Well, the decision was made that it became the law of the land that gives the nine states in the South the right to change their election laws without any federal approval. The states included Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, Texas, and Virginia. Thank God I live in California. Not knocking the rest of the company or country or anybody that lives there, but uh, I'm just saying, happy to be in California. So, who is Kavanaugh? Well, old Cav, certainly not one of the Cleveland Cavs. <laughs> so they, uh, he's uh, claimed to have an impeccable professional re- reputation with the exception of sexual harassment allegation that has surfaced recently. So let's look, since he's, his background is so impeccable, let's look into the sexual allegation. Now, the allegation it was alleged, is alleged by a professor at Palo Alto University according to the Washington Post, and it's, it's out there. Uh, her name is Christina, Christine Blasey Ford. In 1982, she claims that she knew Kavanaugh when they were in high school. She was 15 years old, and he was 17. The alleged incident of the abuse occurred in 1982 in Maryland, Along with four other high school males, she attended a party, and everyone got drunk, including Kavanaugh. And one of his friends, described by Ford, Christine, that they were all stumbling drunk. She says she's saying that the two males were. And 
this scenario sounds typical of, of privileged high school kids, private school students. Anyway, she described that Kavanaugh assaulted her. He attacked her. He tried to remove her one-piece bathing suit that she was wearing. And allegedly, he and another male corralled her in the bedroom. When they got her there, they straddled her. They groped her, or he did, at least Kavanaugh. One held her down while against her, this was all against her will. She fought while Kavanaugh straddled her, and she struggled to get free. She screamed. He covered her mouth. And while uh, the other friend eventually jumped on top of the both of them, and somehow they all fell fell off the bed. And that's how she was able to escape. Now, she says she thought he was going to harm her. Cav and the other teen, teen or at the time, uh, well, who's an adult now, that other male, they categorically deny there's any truth to the story. Now, to sum it up, Cav, 17 years old, a privileged kid, teenager, in a male-dominant environment, tried to drag, or he, he actually, he tried to dry shag a 15-year-old female who was at a disadvantage. There's a lot of issues here. Now, what's going around, and the Republicans and the conservatives are saying, is she believable? And they're saying no. Of course, Trump is. They're removing credibility without even allowing uh, this to be investigated by the FBI, So, which is what she requested. They're questioning whether she's even remembering the story correctly. Now, the other issue is these are privileged private school kids. Where are the adults in this scenario? 15 years old, 17 years old, and no adults present? She's screaming? That's pretty doggone entitled, I would say. Now, for them to question whether or not she would remember something like this correctly is just idiotic. Why would she not remember something so terrifying? That something like that that would result in post-traumatic trauma. Any, I don't care what age you are, male, female, anyone that tries to sexually pin you down, harass you, uh, physically that you have to struggle with, cover your mouth, and put fear in you that you're going to be harmed, yes, you're going to remember that. Why not? Who wouldn't? I mean, people suffer from PTSD in many different ways, particularly from childhood events. It's just a matter of connecting those dots and trying to figure out where the trauma began. I have a a story that I remember uh, eight years old. I think I was eight years old, and it was a harassing situation, similar, but big difference. I was eight. She was 
almost twice my age. And I remember the incident. Eight years old, I attended a, bar, a party that uh, this little guy, his grandmother used to babysit me. He was maybe a year older than me, so maybe nine. And he had a birthday party. I did not want to go to this party, but my mother insisted on dropping me off. And it was at his house, not his grandmother's house, which was right down the block. And when I got there, there were no little girls. They were all boys. And this guy, I remember his name, Eric Brown. <laughs> so Eric Brown, if you're out there, you're an asshole. Anyway, but he got all his little buddies to, to team up on me and bully me the whole entire time. They would huddle in corners. He'd put them in a the corner, say, come here, come here. You stay away. It just instructed me to stay away. They played. They did all sorts of things. It was the worst birthday party in my childhood memory. And then there was one part of the evening or the afternoon. He, These guys, with Eric as the leader, corralled me in the bedroom. And they bullied me. Literally pushed me around and bullied me and say, you're this, you're that, you're ugly. And I, I stood there with my hands over my face and cried. All I wanted to do was go home. Now, from that point, I was so terrified. I was so happy when my mother came to pick me up. Eventually, adult uh, came in and interceded and wanted to know why they had uh, had me in the bedroom and I'm crying and upset and I don't know what happened to him. At that point, I lost all consciousness of awareness. All I knew is that I wanted to go home. That was horrifying for a kid. So at 14, 15, I don't question her memory. I'm sure Miss Christine Blasey Ford remembers the incident very clearly. So let's look at who is Christine. All right. She's a person. She's a human being. She's a woman. Okay? Christine graduated in 1984 from a private college uh, uh, preparatory school. <laughs> I'm having, uh, it, it's late, y'all. It's late. I haven't had my drink, but it's late. Anyway, uh, a college preparatory school. Uh, she received an undergraduate grad in uh, psychology from Cha Chapel Hill. She attended Pepperdine University. She received a master's in psychology and a master's in education from Stanford University. She also attended the University of Southern California, where she received a PhD. She taught school, or uh, uh, she was a college professor at Stanford and later are currently at Palo Alto University. Christine married in 2002, and apparently that's when she allegedly told the story to her husband. Somehow, later years, about 10 years later in 2012, um, Christine began therapy, and that is when the uh, sexual harassment incident was documented 
and exposed based on her this uh, horrifying experience as a teen. Now, three months ago, more let's fast forward to 2018, it was only three months ago when Christine sent, decided to send a letter to Diane, Senator Diane Feinstein regarding the allegations. And that was a, a based on some convincing through by other women and persons that she talked to about the incident. Now, this whole story brings to me, and I'm sure everyone, if you were around, uh, recalled what Anita Hill went through at the time of Clarence, Clarence Thomas hearings for Supreme Court justice. It was... I believe in 1991, NPR's legal affairs correspondent, Nina, Nina Totenberg, who broke the story, she had received information uh, regarding Ter Clarence Thomas' uh, nomination that from many sources about his reputation. And uh, the information was provided by women who had been harassed by Clarence. Thomas, current Supreme Court Justice. His nomination came by George Bush, Butch Bush Sr., uh, and it allegedly, it was not allegedly, but uh, the intention was for Clarence Thomas to take the vacant seat of Thurgood Marshall. That was a true slap in the face of dignity of all African Americans, and actually a, a dishonor to the legacy of Thurgood Marshall. <laughs> Anyhow, Clarence Thomas is uh, an extreme conservative, and that he was strategically placed to head the Department of Equal Opportunity, commissioned by Ronald Reagan in 1982. And that was during a time that if any allegations of racial discrimination came through the department, it was by design going to uh, be doomed or unsuccessful with Clarence Thomas as the head of the agency. See, this is all about the design, the plan. These plans, they're, they're strategic is to have future impact, and the future impact is no different from the intention of, of uh, creating a, an electoral college after the Emancipation Proclamation of Slaves. That was intention. And the intention proved successful based on this current pres seated president who was not the choice of the people. Now, getting back to Clarence Thomas, the other irony about Clarence Thomas is that he used the race card to skirt his allegations of criminal behavior, sexual harassment, and harassing women and, and employees. In his defense, Thomas cried out in the hearings, and called it a high-tech lynching. 
<laughs> a high-tech lynching in 1991 before the Senate is basically was to win favor amongst Republicans, white Republicans, and white Democrats alike to to really to throw on white guilt. It's very ironic for Clarence Thomas, someone who who's anti-abortion, anti-gay rights, anti-affirmative action, who in the moment of desperation would play upon white guilt <laughs> just when the hearings got the best of him. This is someone who sold his soul to the devil. Thomas is a proven hypocrite who clearly benefit from the interference of, uh, or the inference of affirmative action by calling out the race card, a high-tech lynching. Hmm. You could say that he used his black ace card or his Trump card, so to speak, to become a Supreme Court judge, and it worked. Now, for Miss Anita Hill, who testified against Thomas regarding those sexual har harassment allegations, Miss Thomas, or Miss Hill, pardon me, holds a, uh, a JD from Yale. She's a lawyer and has been a professor since 1983. Now, during those hearings without shame and before an all-male Senate, they drug Professor Hill through the gutter. She was referred to as a liar, as being insane, a lunatic, a scorned woman. And, you know, the argument that she had was reduced to a he, he said, she said situation. She was the one that ended up being on trial. You see how they flipped the, the switch, uh, the script? Poor Anita. She became the canary in a coal mine, and her name and character was pretty much tarnished by those hearings. It's really sad that although we've seen recent powerful men, particularly in the media, lose their jobs, about nine men in the last nine months, practically, but there's been no political gain behind it. Hmm. Where's the accountability? So now as we see the hearings continue, continue to Kavanaugh's credibility and to my disappointment, uh, former Secretary uh, of... Uh, Bush's administration, Condoleezza Rice, has appeared to testify on behalf of Kavanaugh. And Condoleezza Rice, you know, this is a very intelligent, educated woman, character, but she's standing on the wrong side. I mean, she has a right, but she made it a point and I think it was to make statement to, as a woman and an African-American and a Republican, 
to stand behind Kavanaugh and vouch for him. What a pity. Sometimes you look at uh, people like Rice and uh, Clarence Thomas as the type of African-Americans that are in position of power who identify more with the politics of their counterparts and maybe part of that is due to their upbringing, you know, their poor upbringing, disadvantage. Uh, I could even refer to PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome. It's not something that only affects poor blacks. This is a, con- uh, a, a condition, psychological condition, that goes untreated. And the outcome of the affliction, it's going to vary on different degrees based on education, environment, uh, maybe even profession, relationships. There's a lot of the variables that would impact PTSS. Now, in the case of Clarence Thomas and Condoleezza Rice, the outcome is the reverse of, let's say, a Rachel Dolezal. Whereas the afflicted conspicuously resents their own skin. Hmm. Something to think about. You know those people when you meet them. There's no second guessing. So what's the lesson here? Well, first of all, what's quite obvious to me that it appears that Kavanaugh is just as flawed as Clarence Coke can pubic hair Thomas. That's right. Now, is that going to be the outcome of the hearings? It may very well prove to be the same successful outcome as it did for Clarence Thomas because of the twisted wickedness that's in the Senate right now. So what did we learn from the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings? The accuser becomes the accused. How about that? It begins with Thomas and Kavanaugh, and then it ends up being Anita Hill and potentially Miss Ford. Can there really be equal justice and fairness in America when politics are at the helm? I wonder. Now, the message and the unstated policy of the U.S. where women did not have rights until the late 19th century or or mid-19th century, the message was that big girls don't cry. In other words, take it, suck it up, And be quiet. That's crap. Educated women are supposed to be heard and seen. Like it or not. It is a me too era. Those old ways aren't going to work anymore. Didn't you hear Oprah's speech? Acceptance speech at the Golden Globe Awards? When she accepted the Cecil B. DeMille honor, she said, 
these powerful men, men of brutal, brutally powerful men who have taken advantage of women where their voices are not heard, well, their time is up. I stand with Oprah. Their time is up. Now, although powerful men in media have been taken down, this drama, this grand political drama is on stage. And starring the antagonist, Kavanaugh, and pending the protagonist, Miss Christine Blasey Ford. Whether or not she makes an appearance, it remains to be seen. I understand the way that Anita Hill was railroaded and, and shamed and in disgust, but she held her dignity. You know, um, plus, with the, uh, the death threats that Miss Blasey Ford has received, she's fearful about moving forward. Understandably so. But I would have to say to Miss Blasey Ford, there are millions of people who are rooting for you, who will stand by you, independent of the outcome, that would be proud for you to take a stand. And I can truly say to Miss Anita Hill, Queen, we applaud you today even more so, more clear, clear, with more clarity of what you went through and that you, what you stood for and you survived. So I will close this solo cast today uh, honoring our shero, Miss Anita Hill. I'd like to quote her. Miss Anita Hill said, when I think what, if, what has happened in a larger sense beyond myself, then I would not change a thing. I did what my conscience told me to do, and you can't fail if you do that. Wisely said, Queen. Wisely. So, thank you all for joining me today. And just remember, life is not about finding yourself, it's creating yourself. Don't forget to be sure to rate, rate me on iTunes, leave your comments on Facebook, and thanks once again for joining me on Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar.